What actually did it was the, the interns that we started bringing in. Because these kids sitting around doing nothing, they're learning nothing. This is an internship. They're supposed to be, supposed to be learning things. So I, I took a lot, of, a lot of time working with the interns and just you know helping them. Because it turns out they don't teach you anything really meaningful in college. You're listening to the AngleFreeIT.com podcast. IT career and culture advice without an angle. And now your host, the guy who is driven crazy on a daily basis from outsourced recruiters, Preston Kilburn. Hey, navigators. Thanks for joining me today. So I am really excited to introduce, you know, a longtime friend, somebody who I have traveled with overseas for work um, and somebody that really, really mentored me a couple tough spots in my career um, and somebody who has really shared a lot of wisdom with me. So this guy is the director of infrastructure at RigNet, but when we worked together, we worked together at, at the time, it was a smaller up and coming oil company um, and, and was right with me through the thick and thin when the company sort of exploded during the, the American oil boom and, and this company finding a lot of assets overseas and, and going through that crazy process. So I would like to introduce you all today to Jason Abbott. Thank Jason. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Doing good. Glad to be here. Thank you for the invite. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, all right. Now, this is the question I ask everybody, Jason. Give us your origin story. How did you become you? What did your career look like? Well, when a mommy and a daddy love each other very much, Preston. I mean, you have kids. You should know this already. Okay. But, <laughs> but uh, no, I have. Um, I actually have been in technology now for a very long time. Uh, I had a really rather unorthodox, uh, you know, up up battle uphill battle into technology. I was I was thrown out of high school when I was seventeen. Um, and I moved to Atlanta from Chicago when I was 18 and I started working in technology in Atlanta doing, this was back before networking was really ubiquitous. So, uh, when I say, you know, 10 base two, you might know what I'm talking about. You might not, wow. but yeah, I, I worked in, in Athens, Georgia, where the university of Georgia is located. And I was working for a, a guy who owned a blueprint shop, running blueprint copies, running printing presses. And one day we were talking about uh, networking because he had a new printer, uh, a large format Xerox printer that they told him he could hook up to his network and print documents directly to it. And he was super excited to do this, but he had no idea what to do with it or how to do it. And I was like, Oh, well, I know what you need to do. And so we got it set up and he was like, the light bulb went off for him, ding, and he went to all of the architectural firms in town and everybody started selling me building them networks. <laughs> nice. And so that worked for a little while. And then I moved down to Atlanta because there was more job opportunities in the actual city than up in Athens. And I started working for a, a variety of different companies. I worked for a telecom, not really a telecom. If you remember 10 base two, you probably remember that shortly thereafter, prepaid telephone cards. Were oh a God. Yes. Thing. Oh yes. I worked for a company called premier communications and we I was in the data center managing these windows three, five, one and windows four machines and also some old netware on DOS machines. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Yes. That's some old school right there. It was, it was fantastic. Um, and eventually I, I'm through a friend of a friend. I met a guy who gave me my first job as a real sysadmin, not as a, 
uh, as a data center guy. His name was Keith. The company was called Stone Branch. They built a scheduling software for mainframes, but what their niche was, there were a million scheduling softwares. They actually scheduled the schedulers. Oh, nice. Yeah, so nice. any given company would have eight different schedulers and none of them would talk to each other. So they would buy Stone Branch's product and they just plug it in and then everything talked to it and it scheduled all the jobs. So it was nice. a really cool little, little company. Um, when they found out I didn't have a high school diploma, they were like, you have to get that solved like quickly. <laughs> so, so in 2001, I, uh, I got myself a high school a GED and... Um, you know, lived there, worked for a while. Then I decided I needed a break. So I went west, as they say. I had a call in Mobile, Alabama from a company who was looking for a Linux sysadmin in Houston. And I was like, well, I'm driving through Houston, so sure. <laughs> uh, and here I am. So, nice. Nice. Uh, so... And then, well, let me, yeah, um, yeah. just continue. one last little, one, one quick little other thing. Uh, about in 2010, there was a big reorg at the company Preston and I worked at, and there was a new position for a director of infrastructure that had come up. And I applied for it, and I was told, we can't even interview you because you don't have a college degree. So I went to Western Governors University, free plug for them because they are amazing. Um, and I got my IT business management degree and came back and interviewed for the job again and still didn't get it. <laughs> but, nice. Motivation and then denial. Yes. But it and fed now, the flame knowing you, I'm it sure. Did. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I've had a, a lot of different roles. It's been a great uh, 11 years with the company, but it was time to move on uh, after the last set of reorgs. So now I am at uh, RigNet and it's looking very exciting. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, personally, Jason, just I wish you the best of luck as, you know, You've, you've started this new role and I'm sure you are going to kick some ass there. So, so I want to talk about adversity. I, I didn't actually, I, I feel like a bad friend here, Jason. I actually did not know that about you um, getting kicked out of high school and stuff like that. Just, that makes me respect you and your struggle so much more. Um, but let's talk WGU because, you know, listeners who have been following the podcast, you probably will have listened to the mini coaching episode that I posted with Willie Moore. And we actually talked a lot about WGU and he's trying to figure out, you know, what, you know, what, um, what uh, degree plan should I go with? So, Tell me about that process for you and why did you choose WGU? Because I kind of want to highlight not just me, but like other people who've done WGU and are a few years into it. Because something that I feel like comes up a lot when people are thinking about WGU is... I don't know why, and I don't understand it, but I feel like there's this general pervasive feeling of, oh, it's not really a real college and you're not doing classes, you know, doing with finger quotes. Yeah. Um, so what is it, what was that process like for you and how have people felt about that degree? Well, interestingly enough, um, at the company, I was the first person to go there at the company we were with. So I had to blaze a lot of trails with them and convincing our own human resources department. Hey, this is an actual college. It's an accredited a nationally accredited university. Yeah. That happens to cost a tenth of what a regular college costs and allows me to work at my own speed and my own pace, which is ridiculously fast. How, how, how long is that? Do you know? Cause I uh, remember what you told me. It took me 11 months. It to took you. Yep. Yeah, it took you 11 months, two weeks and a day. That is exactly what you told me. And that is how I sold it to my wife. It didn't take, it took me a lot longer than that, but <laughs> Well, but see, that, and that, that two weeks in a day, remember, we were in Israel for part of that, so I wasn't doing any work, any classwork. I was in Israel for that point. So, But yeah, 11, 11 months, two weeks in a day. Yep. 
And so do you feel like, um, because I do feel, um, I, I feel a, a debt of gratitude to you for blazing that trail. Cause it was really easy. Cause when I went, you had just graduated and people were like, Oh hell yeah, dude, it's so cheap. I wish I had paid that much for school. <laughs> but, um, it's so funny. I spent a lot of time on the it career questions and CS career questions subreddits. And a lot of people are like, don't people give you a bad time and, you know, you know, question the validity of your degree. And I'm like, that's, that it's not a thing. Like nobody really cares about your degree. You just have to have it. Like honestly, no one has ever asked me where my degree is from. Yes. <laughs> not a single time in, in a professional interview or anything like that. No one said, so where's your degree from Jason? They, they were just like, Oh, okay. Degree check. <laughs> that's the, all that's the whole reason for it at this point. Did I learn things in doing it? I did actually, because my degree is it business management. The IT side of things, I had, a, I had no problem with. I didn't even have to read a book. Uh, you know, I, took, I opened a class, took the pretest, blew it out of the water, <laughs> scheduled my final for the next day, crushed it. <laughs> but yeah. the actual business side of things, the financials, was a lot more than I had ever had to do in the past and things like internal rates of return and net present values and you know, compound aggregate growth rates and all of those things are boring and annoying, but they're things you need to have in the business world because people are going to ask you this project you want to do. What is our rate of return on it? Yep. You know, yep. do you understand the net present value of the investment you're asking us to make versus anything else that we could be doing with that money? Yeah. So yeah. I, I did learn quite a few things on that. Um, I had fun doing a science project because I haven't done one of those since grade school. Um, nice. Nice. Do you but, remember what it was? Uh, I, I don't. But I actually happen to have all of my work from WGU saved on my laptop here. So I could find it if I really wanted to. Nice. So, you know, free plug for WGU. They're not a sponsor of the show yet. I don't know if they sponsor podcasts. I've, I've reached out to them to find out. But, you know, I'm a fan. Jason's a fan. Uh, I will tell you, there's a lot of people that I have chalked up to interview um, with me. And a lot of them I have met through LinkedIn networking groups um, that are WG graduates, you know, master's degrees and undergrads both. So if you're thinking about it, you know, don't hesitate to reach out and, and sort of ask those questions to me or, or some of the people in the in the, in the forums, because I would love to answer those questions and, and sort of dispel that myth. So also, also as an aside, if you are thinking yeah. about WGU, they charge fifty dollars for the for the uh, uh, placement test. But if you you know send uh, send Preston an email, he can send you a free code where they waive the fifty dollar fee. So it's true. He doesn't get anything for that, but it's uh, it it could save you fifty bucks. I, I forgot about that. Thank you, Jason. I completely forgot about that. No problem. A friend of mine had just asked, "Hey, do you have any codes for the <laughs> the free?" I was like, "Yes, I do. I will send nice. it to you." So, there's a couple of things. Like I said, when I introduced Jason, I learned a lot from working with Jason. Um, quite frankly, because Jason is upfront and honest about what he's thinking and feeling. And sometimes it might have rubbed people the wrong way. But what I loved about Jason is I didn't have to guess what he was thinking. If I had a question, I would ask him about it. And if I needed advice about something, he would give it to me. And at the time, you know, he was a little bit senior to me and, you know, uh, would offer advice to me if he thought I was, you know, painting myself into a corner. So, you know, one thing that, we discussed early, early on when I joined the company was Jason took me aside and sort of said, you know, I, I think you're going about, and I don't even remember what the problem was. And I, you know, those of you who want more information about this, um, go back to, I think, episode eight, which is uh, Strata Chalup, and go look at the show notes. She released this um, template, but it's how to troubleshoot a problem. Um, and Jason shared that information with me and it was just like, bing, 
because it's not something you ever get taught, right? How to troubleshoot a technical problem. You know, I feel like most people are like, I don't know, Google it, reboot it. And then if it doesn't work, go call somebody else. Um, And so, Jason, I'd like you to talk about that a little bit, if you remember it, and and what your experience, you know, going through that and learning that was. So I met Stratichalop when I took that class on troubleshooting technical problems at the 2007 Lisa slash Usenix conference. Lisa is the Large Installation Systems Administrators Conference. It's for sysadmins, typically Unix and Linux, who have more than a thousand machines that they manage. Um, I took it because I thought, you know what? You can never have you can never have too much too many tools in your toolkit. Yep. And I remember when she came out and she was talking about things. And I remember one specific problem with a Linux system that the um, VNC server wouldn't start. And she was just saying, "So where do you start with that?" And I, I raised my hand and I, I told her the answer. And she was like, "How did you know that?" I said, because I literally had that problem last week and spent two hours trying to figure out what caused it. And she was like, no one's ever had that problem before. I've never, I've never in any of my time teaching this class had anybody say I've had that problem. So I know exactly how to solve it. Nice. But, and then she was just like, but if you didn't, where do you start? How do you start looking at it? That's the problem. Everyone just assumes, you know, how to troubleshoot, but Mm -hmm. I find most often we ignore the simple parts. We ignore the, I'm an IT professional. I don't have to reboot it. Are you mm-hmm. sure? <laughs> if yep. it's a production server, no, you, you probably don't need to reboot it. However, if it's not in production, why don't you just go ahead and reboot it and see if that resolves the issue? It, you know, I, I'm in IT. I don't have to check if the power plug is connected. Do you not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was a it was just a big challenge to challenge all of your basic assumptions and then think through it in a methodical fashion. And I remember being at work with some of the the gentlemen that we worked with and ladies that we had worked with at the time, and remembering that whenever there was a problem, it seemed more like chaos that we had. We it seems like we accidentally fixed the problem. We never fixed it because we were trying to. We fixed it because something that we did accidentally fixed it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And you sharing that information and that it was just a, it was, I can't remember if it was a PowerPoint deck or if it was a handout or something, but you handed it. was a it. handout. Yeah. And I, I went through it and it was just like, oh my God, like I've never seen this information before. This is, this is mind blowing. Why don't people teach this? <laughs> so, Okay, so another thing, another Jasonism that has made its way onto my blog, um, and I, I, I stole it. I did not credit it to Jason. I credited it to a guy that I worked with because Jason and I haven't uh, officially, you know, I didn't want to officially credit it to him because I didn't know if he made it up or if it was uh, something he had heard from somebody else. But SNMP. Jason, why don't you tell my good listeners what SNMP stands for? Because it's probably not what they think. So SNMP, uh, it stands for Simple Network Management Protocol to most people, right? We all know it. Everybody in IT has at least a passing familiarity with it. But, and you're right, I didn't make it up, Preston. I heard it from somebody actually at a, another Lisa conference um, okay. where they said, he said, man, that's SNMP. And everybody just kind of looked at me and said, that's so not my problem. Yes. So tell me, tell me your philosophies on SNMP and how people can implement this and not be jerks, right? Like, Absolutely. Not to be rude to people, but to have good margin and good boundaries. How do you use SNMP in your daily work? Well, I read your article and I really enjoyed it, by the way. But I think that there's there's one piece that I really want to clarify in that. When I say it's so not my problem, I'm not saying that I won't help just because a problem, it, just because it's not my job to fix that problem. What I'm saying is largely if you cause a problem, then that's your problem to resolve. 
If you come to me for help before you've made it into an absolute pig's breakfast, I will be happy to help you with it. <laughs> yeah. But if you if you have messed it up super bad because you wouldn't ask for help at the beginning, well, now that's a you problem and not a me problem. Yep. What has um, and and you're absolutely correct. Doing it in a uh, a polite way is essential. What I have come to. Uh, my my current response when somebody wants me to do something that is not my problem is I have a lot of uh, of other actions on my plate. If you can write out, you know, write me a, a concise email with what the issue is. When I have some time, I'll take a look at it for you or with you. <laughs> but right now, I can't. I have too many other priorities. And usually, what I found though is that they didn't follow like really the basic step of troubleshooting, which is define your problem. And yeah. once they write it out and they look at it for a minute, they're like, this is fucking stupid. I can't believe I missed this thing. <laughs> here, here it is glaring black and white right in front of me. I, I can't believe I did not see that this was the problem. And I never hear from them again. Yep. Yep. At least about that problem. <laughs> It's more, it's more along the lines of, you know, teaching a man to fish. Yeah, definitely. I, I 100% agree with that. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, has really, really challenged me to grow is that I have had a lot of leaders um, and peers who have not spoon fed me because when I, I was still pretty terrible when, when you and I first worked together. And I, I, I will completely admit that because I would freak you out. Terrible. You weren't terrible. You were just, you were just new. It was, yeah. there was a lot of new stuff that was being thrown at you. And let's face it, your predecessor in that role was awful. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. If we really wanted to get into a little bit of the, you know, hashtag me too moments. Oh, oh boy. That was, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that, that was a lot of damage control, but that's, uh, that's a, that's a conversation that I would be more than willing to have with people at a meetup over a beer, but probably not over the podcast, but, exactly. but I would say, you know, I've really grown tremendously from when, you know, you and I had first worked together and, and my gut instinct was, you know, I grew up saying, I'll never say I can't fix a problem because I can always find somebody who can fix it, which is a fantastic attitude to have. As long as you've done your due diligence, you have sat down and said, what am I trying to fix? How have I tried to fix it? Have I missed any logical steps? Okay, yes. Okay, now you go to the ninjas and ask the ninja squad to help you because you're going to look stupid if it is powered off if you can actually ping to it and verify that it's alive, right? Yep. And so, you know, I, I think initially I suffered with a lot of, ah, this guy is falling and things are broken uh, that I didn't really need to do, you know? So another thing, you know, sort of shifting gears here a little bit, Jason, I want to talk to something that was, super insightful to me. Um, let's talk a little bit about, if you go look up um, Jason Abbott on LinkedIn, he wrote an article that was, I, I think, well-written and very introspective about, you know, being lateraled sort of not out of a senior level, but out of a managing people level. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, so this happened a few years ago. I was in charge. I'd been with uh, the company for about uh, six years at the time, seven years. And um, everybody always tells you, right? The only way that you go, get at get ahead or get into, you know, like making good money or whatever is you go into management after a few years. Well, the problem with that is what they also, what nobody ever tells you is that management is a skill and some people have it innately, like some skills and they love it. Some people don't have it and can learn it and love it. <laughs> some people don't have it and hate it. <laughs> some people have it and hate it. Right. Yeah. 
those are all those are all possibilities. Well, but what no one ever really does is teach you how to be a manager for the first time. Everybody gets the same thing. Hey, you've been doing so well. Here's a whole group of guys. Yeah. You have to take care of them and make sure they're doing the right things. Oh, and you don't actually give up your other job because you still have to do that too. This is just in addition to that. So I, I ended up with a team of close to 30 people working for me. It was a lot of people. <laughs> it was a ridiculous amount. That was contractors, permanent, all over the world. It was a mess. And for a first-time manager, um, I was I – was, actually telling a story about this earlier today. And it's not really a story. It's just sort of a comparison. Uh, the Lipizzaner Stallions and the Spanish Riding School. Um, if you look them up there, it's fantastic and amazing. It's the oldest riding school in like the West, in the Western world. And it's in the, the mountains of Spain, beautiful place. But the way they teach both horses and riders is the, youngest rider, the most inexperienced riders get the oldest and most experienced horses. Hmm. The most experienced riders get the youngest horses because that's, that's the step. That is the complementary skill set you need. It's the same thing with managers. First time managers should never be given new early career people or, <laughs> or people mm -hmm. that are in a lot of flux because they won't know how to handle it. Yeah. Definitely. They Definitely. should get older, more established people because they're going to be easier to learn the management skills on. We didn't really have that. <laughs> so here's a whole bunch of guys. You've never done this before. No, you can't have anybody, even though everybody says a, a manager should never have more than seven direct reports. Here's 30. And you can't have any managers or supervisors managing them. <laughs> have fun. And I love technology. It's, it's, one of my, it's one of my favorite things. Um, so I was neglecting a lot of my managerial tasks in favor of the technical challenges that were up and coming. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after a while, it became obvious that I wasn't happy and that I wasn't doing a very good job. So I, I got called into a meeting with my boss, the director of infrastructure and the CIO. And they said, we're, we're going to change things. And I honestly, not kidding, I was expecting to be fired. I was. Mm -hmm. I, I had been phoning it in at that point <laughs> for a little while on the managerial side of things. So, but that didn't happen. Instead, they said, we created this other role and we're going to move you into it. And How did you it take was, that news? Um, yeah, at first I was annoyed. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, it would have been great if somebody may have, I don't know, helped me out with this whole thing. That would have been cool. Um, but after, after thinking about it for just a little just a little while. And I was like, you know, I don't want to be a manager right now. That's not the thing I want to be. Mm -hmm. Essentially a friend of mine, who's a, a very good manager and works for the, uh, the department of the Navy. He told me the difference between a manager and a, a person who wants to be a manager and a person who does not want to be a manager is where you where you get your satisfaction from. If you derive your, set, your satisfaction in your work from doing things, you are not going to ever be a good manager until you, until you do. If, however, you derive your satisfaction from helping people, you will be a good manager if you learn the skills. Mm -hmm. And at the time... I didn't want to, I didn't want to, you know, be responsible for the people. I wanted to be responsible for the cool stuff that was done. Yeah. Uh, because it turns out I like technology, you know, more than a lot of people. <laughs> so I would say that that's true. I would yeah. definitely say that that's true. So, uh, and what I first, and also, you know, the other things that crossed my mind was, well, as soon as you, you know, leave management, you're done. They're never going to give you another opportunity ever again. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out that's wrong also. As long as you move into things with your eyes open, 
and you have frank discussions with people. When I took my last management job, I said, look, I will take it. I will do my best. If, however, you feel I am not doing well or I feel I'm not doing well, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to say, I'm not doing well. Or you come to me and say, you're not doing well. And I will go back to my old job. And we will, we will consider this a miss and we'll, we'll work it out from there. I'll, I'll keep you know, working with the team while we hire a new manager. But that's it. And I found that just that being honest enabled me to think about things in ways that I wouldn't have before. So, okay. So let's talk about that a little bit. So you had this, this role, right? That was, you know, you were basically head of, I, I don't want to say head of all infrastructure, but basically head of all infrastructure. It was uh, systems was, infrastructure. Yeah, I mean, it was systems infrastructure. So service, server, storage, uh, OS, and then the infrastructure applications like Citrix and Active Directory and mm-hmm. backups. That was all mine. Yeah. How, how were you able in this new position to leverage your experience and the thing that you loved to do to get back? How did you, I guess my question is, how did you grow that love and that desire to be in, in a management and leadership position again? So interestingly enough, what actually did it was the, the interns that we started bringing in. Because you, you remember, we didn't really have interns for no, a long time. No, and then we started getting a bunch of them. And I noticed that we have these, these kids sitting around doing nothing. They're learning nothing. This is an internship. They're supposed to be, supposed to be learning things. So I, I took a lot, of, a lot of time working with the interns and just, you know, helping them because <laughs> it turns out they don't teach you anything really meaningful in college. Nothing That's useful. So yep. It's, uh, you know, okay. Hey, calculate the subnet mask for, you know, <laughs> for, for this IP range. And I get a dumb look because they've always been able to just pull up Google and type in cider calculator and then put in whatever they want and get the right answer. Right, right. You know, I asked one group of them what cider meant. Blank stairs. <laughs> it tastes good. Yeah. I was like, guys, I'm not even a network guy. <laughs> okay. But I know this because I have to. Because my job, my, all of my equipment rides on top of the network. So I have to at least fundamentally understand the base layer of the network. You so, know, and yeah, the, the OSI data model doesn't really matter. I don't need to, I don't need to know it. I, I mean, I do because a friend of mine told me a hilarious um, acronym for understanding it, but. Is it podcast shareable? It is. Absolutely. What is it? People don't need to see Paula Abdul. <laughs> <laughs> That's Awesome. I have yeah. never heard that one. That is a new one for me. I know yeah. a lot, but uh, it, it made me laugh sufficiently that now I can't remember. I can't forget it if I tried. <laughs> nice. Nice. So you took these interns under your wings and then you, uh, you got back into management again, right? Yep. I, I, I got a chance to watch some of these, some of the, the younglings, actually turn in projects at the end of their summer that I was actually proud that they had gotten those because I watched some of the other interns from some of the other areas. And I remember some of the interns before and what they turned in at the end of it was like, those are terrible. Let's actually have these, these people do something that's meaningful and make sure they understand that it's meaningful and valuable. And what they do are things that an an international company is going to implement enterprise wide. Yeah. Yeah. And it so, was, it was really great to see them succeed in that way. So is that what sort of sparked your, sparked your interest and sort of maybe shifted your mindset a little bit? Uh, it did. It started to at least, uh, but you know, I wasn't going to actively seek out a management position again, because I was like, well, I was doing my job and I was able to help all these, all these folks. So I can, I get the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then there was a, a, a shift uh, when 
another company was acquired and there was a whole big reorganization and I was told, Hey, this team needs help. They need someone who's very highly technical and who can act in an architectural capacity and who can help lead them. I was like, if, if you want me to do it, same rules apply. I will do it mm-hmm. <laughs> until you find someone better or I, unless if we both, if either one of us think I'm not doing a good job, then I will, I will go back to my old position. I'm totally okay with that. And, and you never did. I have not, no. Nice. Nice. So let's talk, let's talk a little bit about, you know, um, let's talk a little bit about, I'm bringing up a couple things here that I sort of wanted to ask you about. So, you know, I talk a lot on my blog and throughout the podcast about these pillars. So obviously you've touched on pillar one, right? Like that it's always so much more helpful to help somebody so much more helpful to help somebody. Yeah. No, duh. It is so much better to help somebody to accomplish their goals. And that always comes back around. Right. And I would yep. say, you know, you know, in this interaction, Jason, like I am the, I am the beneficiary in that, you know, maybe not more than anybody else, but definitely like from you to me, like that was so helpful to me in my career, even though, you know, things did not end well for me at the company we worked for. And I've talked about that on the podcast before, but you know, the company I worked for with Jason was the pod. It was the, uh, was the company that I got fired from. And one thing that I think is very interesting because it is a very, you know, the oil industry in general, I'm just going to say in general, is a little more cutthroat than some other industries. And you have managed to survive a lot of layoffs and and downsizing rounds. What do you think it has been that has enabled you to sort of, you know, weather those storms? Well, not only do I know where the bodies are buried, but I help put some of them there. Oh, I see. No. Uh, well, I mean, there is, there is some level of truth to that when you've been there for a long time, you understand things in a way other people just can't. They don't understand the decisions that led up to, hey, why are we doing this insanely idiotic thing? Let's scrap it and do this whole new system. Oh, actually, we can't because, you know, the state of Colorado, for instance, requires us to do it this way. And by the way, um, the, the state of Nevada has just adopted the same rules. So... Yeah, if you want to get those two states to change their minds about how they want to do stuff, absolutely, we can we can go do it your way. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, it's – I am – you know, and you'll know the people I'm talking about when, when I say this. There are people who, who take the so-not-my-problem literally. If it is not something that is assigned to them as a task for them, part of their job description, they won't take it on. Yep. When I started uh, at the company, I was a senior Linux systems admin. Within two months, I was the storage admin as well. Three months after that, I was a senior Windows systems admin. You know, less than a year after that, I had implemented VMware ESX and we had virtualized half the data center. It was, there were problems. There were, there were real legitimate problems that needed to be solved. Our storage was having issues. The other guys, they barely, they had Dell come in and install it. And they knew how to, how to present LUNs to a server. That's it. It's like, okay, well, then let's go fix this problem. Yeah. <laughs> and then oh, we only have one domain controller for the one forest level domain controller and nine subdomains that each only have one domain controller. So if one of them has to reboot, the whole system is down for 20 minutes because there's no DNS, there's no DHCP, there's no anything. Okay, let's collapse this whole thing and build one global domain and you know, utilize the, the features that are built into the system. And I get looks like, you know how to do that? Well, yeah, I, I read. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, the last time we rebooted this domain controller, it took 20 minutes to come back up. So I Googled. Why would it take 20 minutes for a domain controller to come back up? Uh, do you only have one? Yes. 
that's why. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But that wasn't my problem. It wasn't my job. But it was, a, it was something that needed to be solved. When the first time I had to go to West Africa, I was not really looking forward to it because oh, it's West Africa. Yep. You know, I had to get nine sets of immunizations and it was, it was really unpleasant, but the, but I went anyway and I just said, all right, let's go. I'll do this. And yep. every time since then for, for a number of years, I, I was traveling to Israel twice a year to West Africa twice a year, Cyprus. I mean, there was just, there was a, a lot of travel that I was doing and it helped that I had a really solid foundation in all of the technologies. So networking, great. I understand networking. Could I build an, an enterprise SD-WAN? Um, actually, I probably could now because I've been reading so much about it. But no, generally speaking, that's not really my forte. Can I troubleshoot why a LAN is not working or why uh, a router is not sending traffic to the far side? Yeah, I can do that. Mm -hmm. can can somebody just send me a list of uh, a list of things that need to happen to a router and me actually just do it and so the router's back online sure no problem when we were in israel preston i uh preston was working on the phone system and we had to configure 80 access points or something like that so I, he gave me one that was configed and I wrote a script that modified it for each 80 of them and I uploaded it to all of them and it was done. Oh my God. So. Expect scripting. <laughs> Literally changed my life. I remember that because I was really like, awesome. oh my God, I'm going to have to stay up till 4am. We're supposed to be done tomorrow. And the Israeli guys, do you remember this? Do you remember how the Israeli guys, they were so pissed off because yeah. they were convinced we were moving the office from one location to another. And they literally came in and they were upset that everything was up and running. Yep. And, and we were like, why are they mad? And one of them finally told me, we all thought we would get the day off today because uh, we did not think you would get this done. <laughs> That was a great job. I enjoyed was, that project. That was so much fun. That, that was, was so much, so much fun. fun. Not a lot of sleep, but it was really no. fun. Yes. So uh, having a, a solid understanding, a willingness to go do whatever it is to get done. When uh, I went to Ecuador twice and one time was literally on a moment's notice because when I had gone to Ecuador the previous time to do work, I told the management there, this will be this will make everything better and it did until there was a problem there was a, a problem there and they were, they called me up and were really upset and i actually got into a an argument with my boss at the time who was a a very gruff man and he said you don't need to go down there to fix it and i said i gave them my word i'm going if you want to have the conversation when i get back you're more than welcome to. And I left. It was on a, a Thursday afternoon. I flew down to Ecuador and I spent the entire weekend, made the guys stay up there. We tore the entire data center apart, rebuilt the whole thing, recabled it, got rid of, no joke, two racks of old equipment. Wow. There were old 3Com hubs in there, satellite <laughs> modems still cabled in and they don't use satellite down there. It's amazing. Um, but it was just the, the willingness to, to take care of things. And because I would go in and learn this technology and, and be able to speak to it intelligently, they're like, well, okay, we could send you know, a network guy and a server guy to go fix these problems, or we can send Jason. And then when it comes time to, to downsize, you're like, well, who can we most afford to get rid of? well, we can't afford to get rid of him. He, he knows too much and he's, he's too valuable to us to, to lose. Now that is a double-edged sword, right? If you're too, if you can't be replaced, you can't be promoted. However, yeah. as long as you're still willing to help and do the things that, that you know they're going to need, I still tell them to this day, if you need me to go, 
to Israel, to Cameroon, to, to, to EG, to Cyprus. Hell, our office in China is closed down. They sent me to do that because that meant they only had to send one person. Yeah. <laughs> and not three. Yeah. So it was, so it, as long as you're, you're still willing to, to put yourself out there and, and be helpful, it, it's amazing the lengths that people will go to to make sure you're not in that list. I like it. I love that answer. So the one, the one last question that I'm going to ask you, because I, I'm just curious personally, but I think it'd be beneficial for other people, um, is pillar six, which is always surrounding yourself with smarter people. You are one of the smartest people I know. How do you, how do you maintain that edge? Because you've always done it. What, what is it that you do to make sure that you are not the smartest guy in the room? So I, I've always said, often said, if I'm the smartest guy in the room, you have the wrong room. And, and it's not to be like self-deprecating or anything. It's I should never be the smartest guy on every topic. If I am, it means you don't have the right people. Yeah. I mean, I, I know a lot of things because I retain knowledge very, very easily. And I read a lot and I study a lot and I love to learn new technology. Um, I actually did write a, 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 an interesting, I thought it was interesting anyway, uh, article on LinkedIn called, it was a quote from Einstein that said, I have no special talents. I am merely passionately curious. Mm-hmm. So I love learning new things. And one of the things, and, and I've used that, I, I love learning from people who are smarter than me. And so if I, if I am the smartest person in the room, I have as recently as two weeks ago said, we don't have the right people in this room because I should not know more about your technology than you do. Yeah. Yeah. And so where do you, where Cisco do you... was not really happy about that, by the way. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that's, that's brutal. That is brutal. I've had to do that with a vendor before. And it's, uh, it's, it's nice now that I am the vendor. If I'm the smartest guy in the room, at least on my technology, that's great. But uh, yeah, being at a partner and being like, that's not how your technology works. But I'm, I'm going to hang out in the corner over here because uh, I shouldn't be in the middle of this. Yeah. But what do you do for mentorship? Like when you, when you, are, when you were deciding hey, I'm going to take this director of infrastructure position. What did that look like? Like, who are your people that you bounce ideas off of? So uh, there's, a, there's a couple of people at work that I, I, I trust enough not to, you know, that, that I trust have my, my best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. And so I bounced it off some of them. Then there's some uh, previous people who, I, Interestingly enough, I reached out to one former boss that was, in my opinion, the worst boss I've ever had. Okay. Um, he thinks he was a great boss, and he, and, and he thinks that's why I, I go to him for advice. But really, it's because I want to hear his thought process so I can understand how a crazy person thinks. But <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. But it, it's helpful, right? You can't you know, you can't only talk to the people who say the things you like. You have to talk to the people who say the things you don't. And this particular uh, manager and I, we did not see eye to eye on nearly anything. Is this the manager that I'm thinking of? I don't believe it is actually. Oh, okay. Okay. Cause I, I, <laughs> I can't talk to him. Um, okay. Okay. So No, it, this is another one. Uh, okay. You know who it is, but, uh, Okay. Well, when we but, stop recording, I'll ask yeah, you. So I'm, okay. I, I'm, I'm bound and determined. But you find, so you don't, you look outside of your circle of, yeah, you're awesome. Yeah. And that sounds awesome for you. And I don't have to weigh the consequences. So you value that, that diversity of thought. Absolutely. And I, t- I even talk to people in, you know, I've, I've been, uh, I've, I've been really grateful over the years to have, cultivated a number of friends in, you know, in other industries and even like vendors mm-hmm. who I consider to be personal friends now. And, and I'll bounce it off them because they're all, you know, their, their stake is 
they have no stake in whether I'm, <laughs> I'm staying at our company or not. They, or that, you know, if I'll call them when I'm at my new company, they just, you know, we're friends. They, they want, they, they want what's best for me, but they have a myriad of different experiences. The friend who works for the Navy, uh, for the department of the Navy, his, he's worked only in federal government his entire life. Yeah. So his yeah. point of view on literally everything is so different than anyone else I've ever talked to. Then you talk to salespeople and, and they ask some really pointed questions, usually around the compensation package to make sure I'm thinking about all of the things that need to be thought about. Mm -hmm. But they'll also offer, offer ideas because it's IT. Vendors have worked with everybody. Yeah. They know, oh, I know that company and I wouldn't go there if I were you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Please tell me more. There's a beer in it for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Or that company's amazing and you would do really well there. Or that company's in dire need of a shakeup. And, and so you're going to have to be prepared with your asbestos underwear if you make that shakeup happen. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I'm a big proponent of, you know, building your, your human network um, and, and actually talking to people. And it's really scary, especially if you are, especially if you're an introvert, you, mm -hmm. you need to pick up a book, you know, watch some YouTube things about how to be an extrovert when you need to, to build that yes. network. Because some of the smartest people that I know get stuck, right? Because they're like, oh, well, I don't, you know, I don't like going to those meetings, you know, and I don't like going to meetups and I don't like, you know, I don't like going to dinner with salespeople. But the thing is, is when you don't do that stuff, you don't have a human network. Exactly. And, you know, you have less people, you know, looking at you as an asset and they look at you more as expendable. And it's, it's, mean and, and in theory your work the quality of your work should stand for itself but but it in doesn't. reality it doesn't like it's technology is technology what what matters is the connection you form with the people who make the decisions about that technology absolutely absolutely i'm and glad we're on the same page about that <laughs> absolutely it took me a while to get there yeah but you know well, and if and you are if you are a, a serious introvert, there's a couple of things I would recommend. One is there's a site called meetup.com. Go to it, put in whatever your favorite thing in the world is, and you'll find a meetup near you at some point in time where you can at least start that process with people who are into whatever your favorite thing is. And I promise you, I did not prompt Jason. I don't know no. how this this comes up every single every single high performer that I interview and every single leader like hey how do you meet people they're like salespeople and I talk to old people that I worked with and man I love meetup I I just I feel like I you know what if I get a sponsor for the podcast there should be two it should be meetup and it should be WGU man because those are two things that I talk about all the time and also uh, in the same vein of of, of being more more confident. Toastmasters is still a thing. I know a lot of people don't think it is. If you don't know what it is, it's about public speaking, giving toasts and helping you get over your fear of it. Yeah. Fantastic yeah. place. Uh, always very interesting. And the, there's, I just pulled up their website and in Houston, there are over 150 Toastmasters clubs. There's 166. There's over 166 Toastmasters clubs in Houston. Nice. I assure you there are plenty, and that's only a 25 mile radius. <laughs> I assure you there are plenty wherever you live. There, there are fascinating ways to, to meet people also. I like it. So Jason, I always ask people, you know, at the end of their interview, like, what are you like super passionate about that you just want to share with people? Never, ever, ever believe you know everything about anything and never stop learning. I, uh, 
if there if a day goes by where I don't learn something new, I am I am very upset. I have recently um, because I, and this we can go into a whole in a whole lot more detail later if you want to, Preston. But uh, <laughs> I've been reading a lot about the finance of retirement, the finances of retirement. Hmm. Okay. It is tax law is super complex. Um, and figuring out a lot of this stuff is also pretty complex, but I have learned so much about, uh, tax law, about the, uh, tax advantage savings programs <laughs> and mm-hmm. about retirement in general, especially international retirement, uh, in the last four weeks than in the last 30 years. So that's your jam. Always learn and always always assume that you don't know everything. Yes. And, you know, it goes without saying, but be polite to everybody. You know, saying hello to the janitor is, is being polite is contagious. And the the nicer you are, the nicer people are to you. Yep. Uh, I am not very good at that. So this is very much a do as I say, not as I do. Um, <laughs> but I'm usually most angry in the car. So, you know, that's, that's a different, that's a whole different universe in my opinion. Okay. So avoid Jason's car. Basically. Yes. Okay. Okay. If you're going to go fast enough, then by all means you can be in front of my car, but if you're not, then please get out of the way. Well, Jason, I appreciate you taking the time to just, you know, spend an hour and share your experiences and some of your career life lessons. Um, You know, if you are interested in the writing school that Jason was talking about, Meetup and Toastmasters, I'm going to put those in um, the show notes. Go back to, I believe it is episode eight, which is the Strata Chollop episode. interview where we talked about, you know, that, um, that troubleshooting framework. And it seems super basic, but I would challenge you, even if you are like Jason and I, super senior leadership, you know, level type person, give it a read through because, you know, I was reading through it and I was like, oh, you know what? I remember it. My last customer, crap, I forgot to do that. I could have saved myself an hour. Shoot. Um, and, you know, anything else that, that is on your mind, go ahead and go to the website, anglefreeit.com. And off to the right-hand side, there's a little microphone sticking out that says send a voicemail. If you have something that is just, you know, burning in your mind and you're like, oh, man, I wonder if I left them this question, if they'd talk about it, send us a voicemail. You know, the next, ca- you know, the next person that I bring on, um, I would love to play your question for them. I hope you're having a great day and thank you so much for sharing your time. We can always make more money, but we can't take, make more time. And I appreciate you sharing some of it with Jason and I, and I hope you have a great week until we talk to you again, go out there and be awesome. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I wanted to circle back around to something, you know, a lot of what I talk about is, Hey, if you, want to do something, just do it. Like, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be freaked out. And so I am excited to tell you something that I'm going to do. I have been debating this a lot. And you know, if you've been with me since the beginning, you know that my passion is really to help people, right? Like I love my job. I love technology and I will probably always continue doing that, but nothing really makes me quite as happy as helping people solve problems specifically when they're like, God, I don't even know what to do with my tech career. So I wanted to basically make this announcement that if you're looking for a little bit of coaching or a little bit of LinkedIn advice, hit me up, man. Like I, I would love to help you. Now I'm probably not as expensive as you might think. Um, a lot of the LinkedIn people out there are super expensive. So here's what I want you to do. I don't want to turn people away just because of cost, right? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to my website and I want you to sign up. Um, 
there's going to be a box on there that says about us and down on the bottom it there's a contact button or if you want to click on the speak pipe thing on the right that says leave a voice memo or find me on linkedin linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash preston kilburn um and let's get together and let's talk because if you've listened to my podcast you know i'm pretty damn good at linkedin and i'm pretty good at the passive recruiting game right because you kind of have to game recruiters a little bit um and as much as it's annoying sometimes you need to go change some words out for some other words on your linkedin profile and for a lot of people they start doing it and it looks just completely overwhelming so let me help you with that so reach out to me if you are interested i would love to help you another thing i wanted to sort of just announce and give you guys just a little a little peek behind the curtains i am working on a promo deal with um with a company and i'm pretty excited i can't reveal the name right now but one thing that i promised you in episode zero is I won't tell you about anything that I think is crappy. And I won't promo anything that I haven't used and that I haven't used for a long time. Yeah, relatively a long time. But so I have two tools that I'm really excited about. But honestly, um, I want to verify a few things first to make sure that nobody's getting ripped off me the company or most importantly you guys so thanks for sticking around and listening to my outro again if you're interested in a little linkedin or career coaching specifically if you're a tech person and you're looking to improve your passive searchability hit me up i would love to help you with that but if not hey keep listening. I've got so many guests in the pipe and I am very excited to share them with you. I hope you have enjoyed listening and I hope you have a great day and I hope you're having a great week. Talk to you guys later.